Welcome to Canada's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Canada's podcast. I'm Rivers Corbett, the Atlantic Canada host, lucky enough to win the jackpot of jackpots representing this amazing, amazing region in Canada. And uh, there's some really cool stuff happening in Atlanta, Canada, when it comes to entrepreneurs. And my guest today, Ken LeBlanc, is no kind of mystery towards that uh, that piece. He started his business, PropertyGuys.com, in Moncton, New Brunswick, and continues to now grow an international business uh, from Moncton, New Brunswick. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today is that story. So let me just kind of get in a bit first of all hey ken good to see you dude you're looking uh, looking hot you know golfing later today Thanks, it's a snappy golf shirt you got going uh, on tomorrow morning i'm all set for tomorrow though <laughs> where, where are you golfing at royal oaks yeah. nice royal oaks. nice nice yeah, golf yeah, course man fun. nice golf course well ken um ken has uh, has really successfully challenged an established industry which is all about real estate property guys.com for those of you that know about it has been really about zagging when everybody else zigs and that's really what my whole stick is about uh he selfishly shares his passion for helping others through build a business through activities such as the canadian youth business foundation i want to talk a bit about that too he's been in business building his own business since his student days and uh one of our previous guests um dr danny brown talked very uh, very highly of you i asked him about whether or not he had taught he had taught all of you guys and he said, yes, except for Walter was in and off. And I said, well, that's probably <laughs> the one you don't want in your class anyway, Dr. Brown. So, the unteachable, so, the unteachable. The unteachable, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he's driven his drive and vision into, into the largest real estate marketing franchise network in Canada, which is absolutely the truth and is now forging into other markets such as Australia. And I think, Ken, I saw something about South Africa is that a, a market that you that is correct. Uh, you're playing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah. We've got our. I think our team there has already got over nine franchises in the first ten months of operations there. So they're they're growing really quickly. So pretty excited for South Africa team as well. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool, dude. Okay, well, let's kind of dive into it. Take us back to those days, and as they say, you know, you told this story again. This is all about one being proud of being from Atlanta, Canada, being an entrepreneur. Then we're going to touch on some elements as to why you stayed there when you could have had a chance to get out and go to the big smoke. But tell us about those initial days when that seed of an idea, because it started when you guys were in school, if I remember. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we were uh, first year business students at uh, at the time. It's called Atlantic Baptist University. Today's called Crandall. Uh, so we're first year business students, and a lot of people think Rivers that it was a, a school project. It wasn't. It was just something okay. we happened to pull off as we were in school, and 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 we were very fortunate to go to a, an amazing university. It was fairly small. Uh, yeah. So all the profess all the professors were able to you know, to work with us one-on-one. I mean, I, I, look, I look back at some of those days. We had some exam dates changed for, so we could attend home shows and things like that. And, nice. and some amazing, yes, that was really cool to have that. So, so back in the day, as, as we're going to school, uh, myself, my business partner, Jeremy DeMont, still partners today, you know, 23 years later, still business partners in this venture. But uh, right. we kept seeing these orange and black for sale by owner signs, these FISBO signs, you would call them for sale yeah. by owner. At the time, Canadian you know, tire, right? Yeah, Those are the Canadian tire, you, exactly. You still get them there, you know, the hardware stores and stuff. But at the time, neither one of us knew anything about real estate. We were both, I was renting an apartment. JD was living at home and driving back and forth to schools, kind of, you know, living off campus. And we knew nothing about real estate. It's like, but we kind of like, why, why are people putting these 
Canadian tire signs in their front lawn to sell their house because we would watch them. And then a couple of weeks later, there'd be like a traditional real estate sign in the front lawn. So it doesn't make any sense. Is that what they do to get agents to go and pitch them so they can actually <laughs> list their house with an agent, right? So no, no clue whatsoever. So we looked into it. And at the exact same time, uh, I was developing, uh, I taught myself HTML. So I was developing websites for local companies. So, you know, a little, uh, I did one for the local radio station. A couple of my, my friends had small businesses. So I created these websites for them. This is before you could actually go, you know, go daddy. That's why I would buy domain names for them. I'd build them a site in HTML. So I said to Jay, I said, you know what? These Fizbo signs, let's go talk to a couple of them. I'll figure what's going on. So went and knocked in some doors and, and there people, you know, another great thing about being Atlantic Canadian, come on in, you know, put up, put a pot of coffee on, we'll chat. So just kind of figuring out, yeah, so it was, it was so cool. They're talking about how this thing works, right? So we found out real quick that, okay, the reason why they're trying to sell for sale by owner style is that they are trying to save a few bucks, which is obvious. Most people want to save money. But more importantly, Rivers, what we found is they wanted control. So we didn't know at the time that if you called an agent, an agent would come in and they would basically take control of your house is what we were told from these for sale by owners. They would tell you when they're going to show it. Yeah, they would tell you when they're going to show it. They would tell you what you're going to ask for it. They would actually negotiate on your behalf how much you're going to get for your house. And, and the homeowners, the FISBO homeowners time said, I, I want to control that process. I, I know my house better than anybody else. Why would I have some agent who's never been in my house show my house? You know, so why, why, you know, why, 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 why are they only taking one photo of the outside of the house instead of showing all the beautiful features I have inside and exterior stuff? So, so we thought, so JD and I thought, you know, let's, let's create a little website. We'll do something local here in Moncton. Uh, there was no Kijiji at the time. There was no, you know, Craigslist or any of those. Yeah, yeah, machines are still going on, right? <laughs> we actually used to get faxes into the school. So fax machines are still going on. So she so said, we'll create this website. And what we'll do is we'll organize all these private sales listings will actually be fully disclosing potential buyers by by adding interior photos we'll let the homeowner show the house because they know the house better than anybody else and then we'll just step out of the way we'll charge them a fee up front a flat mm-hmm. marketing fee to, and, we'll, and we'll advertise our house on the front lawn so there's a great story about our signs but on the front lawn with a nice propertyguys.com sign uh we'll actually uh put, we'll do or we'll run a classified ad for you in the Moncton Times and Transcript so you get up you get a newspaper ad to drive people to this thing called the internet at the time so 1998 <laughs> so people are still have to get comfortable with it and that and that was how the whole idea started so I, I didn't so have a whole cool. lot of money. You know, basically, uh, we, we were bootstrapping from day one. JD and I you know, put together 100 bucks. We bought the domain name. We registered our business. And we, we kicked it off. So what we did early on, one of the lessons, and we still teach this today when we talk to new franchisees, but one of the things we did early on is we knew that if we were going to convince people to give us, I think it was like a couple hundred bucks at the time, like 200 bucks to list on our propertyguys.com website. We knew if we were going to convince people to do that, that they didn't want to be the first one in the game. So we had to fill that basket with inventory. Mm -hmm. So we did this thing we call, we call this thing called sampling. So we went out and we basically knocked at all the for sale by owners in the community said, look, we're organizing for sale by owner. We're the property guys. We want to put your house on the internet free of charge to you, but we're going to put you on this thing called the World Wide web. We're going to put a sign in your front lawn and people from all over the world are going to be able to see your house and make you an offer. And we convinced people say, yeah, I'll give that a shot. So we do, but we need, we have to build that inventory. So we had like 20, 30 listings on our platform before we actually started actually marketing our business and trying to grow nice. it. 
But nice. yeah, and and honestly, it was an overnight success, quite honestly, in Moncton. It just really just, you know, we, I think the first year, uh, as we were full-time business, was, I think we had over 100 listings in our first year, just in Greater Moncton. And it just took off wow. overnight because people were just in trade, early adopters, right? They all want to be yeah. part of this internet thing. They thought yeah. it was super cool that we we're having interior photos, you know. And back in the day, if you want to buy a house, you had to call an agent and he would bring the book, the big old white book. The yeah, the MLS book. Yeah, go through that. Yeah, the MLS book. And you go through us. I like to see that one, that one, that one. Then he would organize a showing and it's, it was all about control and control, right? And uh, so we found early on that our customers wanted control. They want to set the price. Of course, everyone wants to save a few dollars. So that, that was a kind of a bonus for him. But it was more about the control aspect of it. So that's how yeah, it that's- kicks off. That's so interesting, Ken, because a great lesson to entrepreneurs, again, you found that pain point. And when everybody looks, not everybody, I'm not going to say that, there's a lot of people look from the outside into your business and they say, well, I just don't have to pay the, the 6% or whatever. And they would naturally go to, that's the reason why it's successful. But I've always said that you can't win the game of business if you're going to be price competitive. That's all you are. It doesn't work that way. And you've touched into an emotional piece, which is that control piece, which is a niche. There's others that don't want that control. They just say, just go ahead and sell it. That's not your market. You say, go ahead, the royal page. But our market for those want to control their journey. I love that piece that you've, that you've reinforced that. Now, there is a story about a liberal political sign. So tell me about that story about the liberal <laughs> Well, that's what I was doing, this funny story on, on, on signs that, so uh, once we actually kick this business on online, we need to have some type of offline presence. And in real estate, offline presence is typically signs online. So when you own the sign, that's your piece of real estate, that's your marketing, that's your billboard. So we knew early on we had to get a bunch of signs in the community. So we did the sampling thing. But again, shoestring, universities, no money whatsoever. So we <laughs> decided that, hey, it was just like this week here in Moncton again, across the country. It was There was a national election. Election was over. We saw all these big, giant core plus signs. So we called the, the local liberal leader yeah. uh, at the time, Claudette Bradshaw, and yeah. said, Claudette, what do you guys do with these signs after the election? Because, well, typically we have a crew that goes and picks them up and we just, you know, we, 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 we recycle them, we throw them away. Why, why are you asking? Well, we've got a business. We'd like to, we'd like to take them down and use whatever, just fill your boots, whatever you want to get. So we went, I think we pulled like 40 or 50 signs down. We chopped them down into the size we wanted. And it's kind of funny because we had to, we had glued two together because they were only single, most of them were single sided. So we used the side that wasn't printed on and we, we printed on the back of these recycled election signs is what it was. So if you drove by somebody, you could turn around like, why is Cloud of Bradshaw's? <laughs> <laughs> That's so brilliant, man. So you kept her on the other side. But we did, yeah. Usually we glued, glued them together, but yeah, most of them were glued together. But if, if one ever came apart, then you could see the, it was that recycled election sign. But great stories, all about bootstrapping and, and, and doing what you need to do, right? Early on for us, it was, you know, we, we didn't have the budget to go and get custom, like we see today, our, our beautiful round lollipop signs and things like that. So, yeah, 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 they're beautiful. So, so it's, it's, it's when I'm talking to you and I, I consider you'll be a great friend. I said, this is the story. They started with these liberal signs at a hundred bucks in their pocket. And just so proud of the journey that you've been on for over 20 plus years. Uh, and yep, so 20, is, 23 years now, yeah, crazy. 23 years overnight success. So, so you've got yeah. you and, and Jeremy, and I know there's some other guys that were involved, but I want to talk about yep. you right now. How did sure. you decide that you were going to be the president and CEO. What went through that whole process? Uh, and, yeah. and how did you do it and why you? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think at the time we had a third partner, uh, Michael Ryder, who was part of our business early on. The three of us were the original property guys. Uh, JD and I were graduating from university, so we're getting our degrees out of Crandall. Michael had another year left, so he was a bit of a crossroad. So we decided on our fourth year when we're graduating, like you know, it was, it was like I said, it was an overnight success in Moncton quite quickly. That we decided that this is going to be this is going to be our gig. My intentional yeah. turns, I was supposed to go on and continue my education. I was going to get a law degree and become a lawyer. But you know what? This property guys thing is hot. Uh, we were just looking into franchising at the time as well. So we're going to expand. And, you know, we, I thought we, we thought we were really onto something. So we said, this is it. We're going to do it full time. Michael didn't have the time to do that. So he decided, you know what, guys, I understand you guys are taking it to another level. I can't. I need to bow out, finish my education and wish all the best. So we ended up buying Michael out, but it gave us an opportunity to bring on Dale Betts and Walter at the same time. So we brought in you know, the, the original four property guys coming to the business at that time. Um, right. the, the leadership part, basically, I think what it was is if you, if you look at myself, Walter, Jeremy, and even Dale back in the day when he was a partner at Property Guys, uh, you're not going to find any four people any more different than the four of us. Right. We are very, 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 and I think I, I talked about that with other groups as well. When you bring just be partnerships, you don't want someone who is a yes man. You don't want someone who's going to agree with everything. You don't want someone who has the same skill sets as you and the same, you know, almost the same beliefs in, in regards to marketing and things like that. So we really complement each other by bringing these, what we call the four corners of, of a, of a successful business. And, uh, and, and obviously, my 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 personality is an A type personality. I'm a leader. I take charge. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, very. They call me a bit of a bit of a bulldogish. And and our company, you know, the, our company being in a disruptor, a disruptor, and going yeah. head to head, we we needed someone to lead the company uh, with that type of persona. Uh, we didn't want to be known as a passive persona. We didn't want to be known as, you know, kind of way out there uh, in regards to ideology. It's more like someone who's going to stand up and, and stand on the front lines and 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 you know muscle your way through through whatever challenges are coming along the way. So that's where we decided. I, I took the, uh, the, uh, the leadership position. Initially, it was, you know, my, my, my idea initially, obviously, but they were on yeah. day one with me when I, when I pitched it to them. But it's primarily because of the leadership style that we brought to the table and everyone's been able to work very well with that structure. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, and, and, you know, I, I see so many, so many leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call them, starting their business and, and it's it's all for the wrong reasons that they choose the CEO um, or the VP of marketing because you've got the Facebook page and so on and and right. so I, I think that question is is so important it's part of our part of our journey so so you you got into franchising earlier that was a part of your strategy pretty well since well I'm going to say plan anyway whether or not it was execution or not right away but why franchising why not you know, ownership of your own, uh, your own model. What, what, again, just why franchise? Because you're a big, yeah. big fan of it. Big, I am a big fan of it. And, and quite honestly, I'll tell you it, two reasons. One, one is, is, is a real, I guess, the, the right reason, a logical reason. Because when we looked at expanding uh, our, our footprint across the country, we looked at multiple ways to expand. Like you said, we could open up corporate offices. Uh, we could expand in product lines and became more of a classified section where it's not just selling mm -hmm. houses, but cars and boats and that. Uh, there's all kinds of different avenues for us to expand. Uh, but we knew in this channel we were in, which was real estate and residential real estate, in order to be successful, we need a feet on the street. So real estate mm -hmm. is one and lost that we'll call this three foot arena. Like people only buy and sell houses from the people they trust. So mm -hmm. in order to establish that, we needed local representations across the country. Well, we didn't have the budget to open up corporate offices, hire managers, directors, you know, area reps and all this stuff. 
So for us, when we looked at franchising as an option, it made sense. We're going to get people interested in IR, the IR deal. They're actually going to pay us, invest in our business, and then they're going to be responsible to promote and grow their business locally. Now we need to split the, obviously with the royalty structure. So they're going to get the lion's share of the money for doing that, but we get to expand our footprint. We get to grow. We get this royalty structure. Uh, we get, we get opinions, uh, you know, from coast to coast and now internationally on how to improve our product services because yeah. they're in the front line. So for us, franchising was, was the ideal situation. Now, being an Atlantic Canadian company, it was difficult. I'm not going to lie. We knew nothing about franchising. Uh, asked Danny Brown. I got an A plus on it, but I got my senior thesis was on franchising because there was very little at the time. In like, if you went to like a chapters or a bookstore and you know, or even Google it, when you Google the word franchising, it was all about how to buy a franchise and yes. what to look for in a franchise. There, there was nothing on how to set up a franchisor, like to be a franchisor. So yes. one of the things I did, like I said, I did my senior thesis and I joined the Canadian Franchise Association uh, right away. I think we had, I don't even know if we had a franchise on board before we even joined there. And I was so lucky that that association took me in like their kind of their adopted child because there wasn't a lot of uh, franchisors from Atlantic Canada. I can name them all in one hand, how many franchisors are here. <laughs> so so they, they, they took took us in. I ended up getting a seat on their board of directors and ended up working yes. my way up to be the, cha- the chair of the Canadian Franchise Association. You did. They, I, I, and I learned, I learned a lot from just being part of that association in franchising. And that's what allowed us to expand now. Like I said, Australia, South Africa. Uh, we're in Texas and Florida. So we went to the U.S. this year as well. So they, the yeah. franchising avenue for us is, is the perfect avenue. There, there's ups and downs to franchising. I mean, you know, it, you are kind of, um, especially in our, our brand, River, we give exclusive franchise areas. So we're betting on one horse to be successful. Yeah. And, and just like professional sports, your number one draft pick may not always turn out. So there is those challenges in franchising. So we, you work through those, but that's just part of, the, part of the whole, I guess, the whole ecosystem in franchising. Yeah, so let's talk about that because who was who was when I was uh, running the Relish organization, you recommended me to the gentleman um, out of Toronto. You remember the lawyer, the franchise lawyer? I mean, I don't even know. If Dan so? Yeah, Dan so? Yeah, yeah. Are you still, still hanging out with him? Yeah, hundred percent. He's still our lawyer today. Yep. Great guy, great guy, great guy. But but you know, one of the things he warned me about when we began our journey with that franchise is he said, Rivers, your biggest challenge, and this is what I, I want you to talk about. One, I'm, I'm sure you've run into it. Two, I want to know how you now prepare for it not to happen. He said, the biggest challenge that you're going to run into when running a franchise is rogue franchisees. Those that want to do it their own way. I got this. I know this. And so on. And he sort so freaking right. For a novice, the guy, and you know, you think you got the pieces ready. So, talk about that. How do you, how do you guys uh, uh, prepare for that and minimize it? Yeah, well, it does happen in franchising, and 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 I guess the, the challenge with franchising that most people, when they think of franchising, they think of McDonald's, Tim Hortons, like the big the big franchisors that the subways and that, and they have a very very tight structure, very tight operation manual, very tight you know hours of operation. Like they've got everything kind of. Lights, lights out for you. So, so what we have to do in our business because we're not we're not like that. We are, like I said, we are. Even though we're a franchise network, real estate is local. Uh, so we need to be able to be flexible. And we we created this thing called structured entrepreneurs. So it's basically an entrepreneur who you need to be. You know, you still need to be entrepreneurial in spirit to run your franchise, but there is a structure. 
there is a set of rules that we've created as a franchise or the need to follow. There's certain things you can say, certain things you can't say. There's brand, you know, you want to keep the brand on par and that. So, ah. so what we do is we look for those types. So when we bring in a franchisee, we, we, we kind of look for that type of persona. So we have the perfect persona. We profile them. Uh, they get interviewed by other franchisees. We have a very tight, ah. as, as you know from Dan, so a very tight franchise agreement. That's clear black and white. If they step out of line, you know, we, we, we um, I guess another disadvantage of being a Atlantic Canadian, not, and there's not a whole lot of them, but one of these is that in, in, as a franchisor is that we tend to, as Atlantic Canadians, be a little more uh, open to ideas, a little more relaxed when it comes to, you know, implementing policies and compliance. You're a bull, you know, work with you. You're a bull. I know, I know. Well, Come on. I, 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 I'm a bull, but not, 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 not a downtown Toronto bull, right? So, so but, you know, I, I, I still, I still, I'm still a people person, right? I still want yeah, people to be successful. So we, so we try to work with people. Like we don't send out defaults like like Dan would recommend we would do if someone, you know, with you know, uh, their their posts and or their sign wasn't the right color and they'll have to spec or yeah. something like that. Like we'll try to work with them. So I'll call you up, like Rivers, come on, like we need to fix this and, and explain to you, yeah, I'll don't worry, I can, I'll take care of it. We, we go. So because of that, we get taken advantage of by franchisees. Right. Uh and right. So so we really have to be very, very uh open and clear and, and communicate to the system. What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? Uh, they have a backyard, you know, that they can play in, uh, but there is a fence around it, and yeah. you can only go so far in your background. So as long as they have that backyard and they can scratch that itch, because I'll tell you one thing: in our system, and like most franchise systems, every franchisee thinks you're a marketing expert, and yeah. they all want to play marketer and they want to play play some stuff with the brand and mix some things up. So you got to really keep an eye and keep that tight. So, so yeah. So yeah. the way we protect ourselves, Rivers, is we we, we train them. Uh, we have a really amazing uh, training session. We call it PGU, PropertyGuys.com University. So they're trained in what they can do and what they can't do. They're trained because these people are going to people's houses, right? So they're they're talking and they're talking for the most part, people's most valuable asset they're ever going to own in their life, which is their house. Yeah. So yes. you've got to be professional. You got to present yourself a certain way. There is, you know, there is some regulations that we got to follow because we're in real estate, even though we're not in real estate. So we're not playing by the real estate rules that are per se that others agents play in. So, you know, so we get, and we attract these disruptors. So yeah. as you know, disruptors don't want to play by the rules. They want to make their own rules. So we have to balance it that way. And we've been doing pretty good at it for the most part. Yeah. Well, I, I think you have. And, uh, and, you know, look, uh, again, when I had the relish brand, it was about, yeah, it's not, it's, we're not here to hurt people. What we're here to protect is the family. It's not just about them. Right. We're trying to protect, we're, we're trying to attract this brand, which is other people yep. involved. You got other families involved, and they bought into a system. Yep. You're, you're yep. making sure that you're that you're trying to protect that. Ken, you yeah. were one of the ways. Sorry, Rivers, I was just going to add to that. One of the ways, and I just because it just came to my mind, one of the ways that we've been able to protect that, and I know you probably didn't experience with Relish, but what happens when you get to a certain size? You create a community of franchisees. So you, we have our franchisee advisory council, and you get other franchisees. Right. And those, the good franchisees who built good businesses, they don't want their neighbors doing anything rogue that could harm their business. Right, so right. we don't have to police as much. They're kind of self-police now amongst their own group, which is right. awesome for us. So, yeah. 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 There's, there's nothing, uh, nothing better than peer to peer responsibility. So that's, that's very cool. Um, yep. You were, you were ahead of the game, as you know, with, with the internet, the WWW World Wide Web, uh, <laughs> uh, the information highway. Remember it was called the information highway? Oh, yeah. Time. Yeah. Um, but COVID came along. And even though I'm sure you were well ahead of the ability to to hang out in that space, what adjustments did uh, property guys have to make because of COVID? Um, 
Fortunately for us, very little. Uh, we were, like I said, uh, we we've seen it come, and not not COVID, but we saw this uh, this this you know video conferencing thing being a necessary for for customers who just you know I don't have time, but how about we just do an info appointment and do do a video conference? So we saw things like that. Uh, we built uh, technology to allow our customers and our franchisees. Uh, to upload their own listings and APIs to build into to plug into other platforms. So we have the technology there for them. Um, the biggest pivot for us, even our, our training session here. So we turn our, our physical PGU in this room in right now, which would sit 20, 30 people, uh, we turn it into a virtual video. So we just did our, our last PGU uh, training session last week. We had 19 people in the room. And I don't think we could have pulled it off even if we wanted physically. We had eight people from South Africa. We had two from Texas. We had four from Florida. and I think two from British Columbia and a couple from Newfoundland. So, I mean, it's just to get those different time zones and, and put that all together and under one roof and have that, you know, virtually which was even better for us here because physically when we're having our, our PGUs physically at the building, well, the whole office kind of shut down for that week because you yes. have people, you're entertaining, you're going out for dinners, you're doing all those things. So you lose a bit of that culture and you lose a little bit of the social, but on the other hand, you get to be able to, you know, properly educate and share ideas with them virtually, which you couldn't do before. So again, COVID for us, was awesome in regards of not hurting our business in any way. And actually, as you know, the real estate uh, in Atlantic Canada and throughout Canada actually just went red hot. Yeah. yeah, red hot. So just our franchisees were just, you know, make, making, you know, making the best of it uh, as they could. And they just, the little pivot they had to go over is instead of showing up at your house rivers, now I'm going to send you a link and log in with your computer and we'll, we'll talk you through the program. So that's kind of yeah, how it went down. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fits well with uh, your process anyway, being that it's, it's, it's a lot of virtual. Um, Ken, we yeah. talked about in the, at your intro with regards to your work with youth and business. Can you, can you talk about, that journey, uh, that focus, and uh, what, what, you know, why? Why? Uh, always been a, a personal big fan of youth entrepreneurs. So we're big into JA now here in Moncton. Uh, you know, the uh, Futurepreneur, which was the old you know, widepreneur before that you yeah. talked about that was on their board. So it's always been kind of a drive for me, I guess, being a young entrepreneur and going through, um, you know, the, the challenges as a young entrepreneur being taken seriously and things like that. I think it was important for me as, as I matured as a business owner to, to be able to help young entrepreneurs get, you know, kind of break down some of those barriers. So that's why it's been near to your, not just my heart, but even my partners are the same way. Walter and Jeremy, uh, we, we, we both believe heavily in, in, in the future of, of, of the young, young minds and entrepreneurship. And I think, you know, we, we hire young, young people to come into this office. I may not be uh-huh. entrepreneurs, but we always try to be like Walter says, I want to be the oldest person in the office because i think there's so much we can learn from the young people staying hip staying 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 current uh and and ahead of the curve so it's pretty exciting to to keen to work with those groups yeah what's your, what's your message to young entrepreneurs leaning in right now uh you started out as a young entrepreneur you're at your journey now 23 years in what's uh what's a nugget or two that you would share with them beginning their journey as an entrepreneur yeah, I really think that to me, and I've always said this, you know, even before COVID, but I really think that any you'll be successful if if whatever you're doing, you're doing it for the right reason. And for me, the right reason is it's my passion. I I want to do it right. If you want to be a YouTuber or an influencer, do it. That's your passion. Go for it. If if you're doing it because you think you can make money at it, or you think that there's a you know you're going to be rich someday because you're building this big a uh, you know big company, or whatever. That's the wrong reason in my eyes. Yeah. I, you know we built we built property guys from the ground up with a hundred bucks and a good idea, and it was because we really wanted to change the face of real estate. 
And that was our passion and our drive. And then we got into franchising because we nothing nothing gets me more excited than seeing a franchisee go to someone's house and successfully putting a sign in their front lawn and getting paid to do that. I'm thinking, wow, I just helped that franchisee make money for his family or her family uh, on an idea that we had 23 years ago. So to me, every time I see a sign pop up to me, that, that that's what it's all about. So, and these are entrepreneurs as well, starting their business. So, and, 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 the, and we attract people. And when I look at, you know, the personas, like passion needs to be there. Like if you're yeah. buying a propertyguys.com franchise, cause you want to make a boatload of money, that's not the right reason to buy a franchise in our eyes. You know, you buy because you want to make a difference in your community or you want to make a difference in your lifestyle. You want to, you want to control a little more of your, you know, your, 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 your work-life balance, whatever that reason is. Can you tell me that's why you're buying it? If it's to make money, you'll make money. Don't worry about it. But it's not the reason that it's going to keep people up because when the money, when the money, you know, when you, when you hit a hard time or whatever happens, like, like most on, there's a lot of rules in entrepreneurship, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you're doing it for just the money and I guarantee you, there's going to be a time when there's not much money coming in. Uh, you'll just pack up and leave town. And that's not what we built this round. So you need that passion and drive. So I always tell the young entrepreneurs the same thing. Like, Hey, if you believe in this idea and you love doing this idea, the money part will come naturally. Don't worry about that. That's secondary. Tell me about your dining room table conversations with your wife and your daughter around uh, PG. Uh, how does that operate or is it taboo? You know, I, I wouldn't say it's taboo, but it isn't usually uh, part of the subject. Uh, you know, I've got a teenage daughter, Isabel, 15. I used to be cool. I'm not so cool anymore because <laughs> she's 15, right? So, I, so yeah, so like... Like we were just on the cover of a national magazine. I kind of brought one home and she looked at it and rolled her eyes like, oh yeah, you're here again. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, you can't win, right? So yeah, no, I mean, and, and, my, and my wife has been amazing. She supported us since day one. I, I always say I, I equate a lot of my, our success and my personal success to her. Um, you know, not too many women who will allow you to, you know, to travel the world, uh, be gone nights and weekends, working till two, three, four o'clock in the morning, getting up at four in the morning, going to work and, and not saying buzz about it and just kind of have your back taking care of our daughter and doing things that need to be. So she's been amazing, amazing support that way. And you know yes. what, when I involve her, when I involve her, like uh, in, in going to our national conference and that she loves going there, she loves meeting the franchisees, but she's never trying to, you know, pull or, or push any, any agenda in regards to property eyes on us. So she knows, uh, she knows my persona. Like I, I'm, I'm a, I believe in, I'm an introvert. I like my downtime. I like my alone time. I, I get charged from sitting home watching a leaf game with my dad. And that's, that's kind of where my, you know, I get, get back into that, even though it was very painful last year. <laughs> very painful. I was talking yeah. to Dr. Brown about that the other yeah. day. Yeah. 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 For those yeah. of you that are not hockey fans, Montreal and Toronto get together in the first round, Toronto, bowed out at the last minute and Montreal went on to the final, which I think is probably more painful than the bow out. It was. Watch that, <laughs> it was. Watch that going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what would have done. Yeah. I don't know if I would have done if they would have won the cup. I'm not sure well, I'd know, be talking hockey anymore. <laughs> yeah, my biggest fear as a, as a hockey fan is to have Toronto and Montreal meet in the final and they could have the last time Montreal won the final in 93. Yeah. And it was to yeah. lose to have the final and then to lose to Toronto. Lose to the other team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the worst thing. So tell That's us, uh, we're, we're, we're turning the bend on, on uh, being close to finishing, Ken, and I can't thank you enough. You're always giving so much of your time to me as, as a friend and a colleague, but uh, uh, also in, in the community. Um, why Atlanta, Canada? Why did you stick around Atlanta, Canada when you could have gone to, to Toronto and hung out with your with your buddies there in the Leafs get and at least my little fans, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you're, you're big. Yeah. I remember there's one oh, story yeah. 
you you died the you were out skating with them or something at one point in time oh, yeah, with man. your yeah 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 no I love the Leafs I'm definitely a diehard my whole my I'll, I'll die a Leaf fan for sure yeah yes yeah, sir uh, why yeah. why land of Canada um you know what born and raised here um got some family left not a lot but some family left here uh, but for me I think Rivers and and I touched it earlier I think the Atlantic Canadian persona or I guess mentality of giving uh you know working communicating um and i've and i've been able to travel this beautiful country from coast to coast uh mm -hmm. i've been through every single state in the u.s i've been to australia i've been all over the world and i tell you there's nothing like atlantic canadians in regards of uh willing to help one another have each other's mm -hmm. back support mm -hmm. support you like i look at the early days like I went to a Atlantic Canadian university. I don't think there's any other university in, in this country, even where professors would take phone calls for you, help you with your marketing, move exam dates, uh, you know, and still, and still 23 years later, still have a relationship that you can call up as a buddy and a favorite at any time. And, and you get that in Atlantic Canada. Right. So mm -hmm. I think being, you know, so, and then, and then just the way the community um, embraces the brand embraces you as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and puts you on a, put you on a pedestal, which is nice. Um, you know, it's definitely not the small, you know, small pond, big fish mentality. It's more so I, I really think, um, I really think it, it fits our, I talked about the passion and drive and why you're doing this thing. It fits our why. You know, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't see, I couldn't see this company being in a downtown Bay street office and with a bunch of suits coming in and, 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 and barking orders at a, a middle management team. Like, you know, we're growing. We've got almost 40, 50 people working here in Moncton right now at our Moncton office, supporting our friends across the world. Yeah. Fabulous. But, but, but I just, everyone who works here has that same type of servant mentality. And I think Atlantic Canadians, uh, you know, we typical Canadian personas apologize and say, thank you a lot. But I think Atlantic <laughs> Canadians are, are way more. We probably, we probably cause that, 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 uh, I guess that tagline for, for most Canadians, quite honestly, because like I said, I travel the world. I enjoy Canada. Uh, but you know, no one holds a door for you in, in downtown Toronto. No one's, no one's, you know, yeah. you know, no one's doing the things I do here. I, I, and I've been fortunate too. like, even not just the university, but the chamber of commerce, you know, when we joined the first one, we're, we're kids, we're 20 something. Right. So you're joining the chamber of commerce with like a, a West armor and, you know, Bernard on yeah. Like these are like, these are the, the elite of the elite of business entrepreneurs. And, and they're taking your table and taking you around like you're a buddy from high school. Right. Just opening up. They doors wrap their arms. 20, yeah. 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 And any question, any time they would answer. And, and that was really weird. Cause I thought, you know, cause I was taught, you know, through business now, like you had to keep your secrets closed. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't tell anybody what you're doing, but that wasn't the case in Atlanta, Canada. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I got to experience that with the Canadian franchise association as well. I get on that board and it's like, this is interesting. We're all franchisors. We're all trying to get franchisees to join our system, but I'm hearing from an A&W executive and a McDonald's executive and what they do and a, the UPS store and how they work their system. And I'm creating all these ideas. They're an open book. Yeah, so I, I became it. an open book as well. Right. So it was really cool love to it. have that. Love it. That, love that network it. in that community. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, I think there's something I agree with it. Obviously it's a, uh, it's a great specialness. And I'm sure a lot of Atlantic Canadian culture permeates throughout your entire network of your franchisees, which is that specialness you talked about. I know with uh, my business now, Shaftorial, which we're fortunate enough to do in uh, throughout North America and, uh, and into the UK, we bring the element of the sociable. And you know the sociable is all about that raising. Yeah. And it's amazing how many people have never heard of the sociable. It's an Atlantic <laughs> Canada piece. 
and, yeah, yeah. and and we're able to share that piece of fun and camaraderie and connection. And uh, so that's that's the best reason you could have for wanting to do because it's a darn good place to live. Uh, bring your family up and to uh, connect with other entrepreneurs. Uh, Ken, uh, how do people connect with you? Uh, you're on LinkedIn. Ken LeBlanc. LinkedIn. And, yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah. Ken LeBlanc. Twitter. Ken LeBlanc. Facebook. Ken LeBlanc. PropertyGuys.com. Uh, you yeah. can easily find me there. You want, want to fire me an email? KLeBlanc at PropertyGuys.com. I'm still a bit old school in the email stuff, so I check that quite frequently. But <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, one thing about you, dude, is uh, you you may be busy, but you always find time. And and I, I can't thank you enough for your continued support. We we'll look forward to getting this great story not only to Atlanta Canadians, but to Canadians across the across our great nation who are going to continue to hear the story of uh, what you're doing. One last question, I will let you go because I I, sure. uh, I did have that in my head. What's the next uh, two or three years look like? What's the, what's the vision from the CEO? Does. Awesome. No, we got a, a really good roadmap. I think we got a, we got a, I guess a five-year plan for the next two or three years. We're getting heavily into some of the licensed service side of things. So a lot of our franchisees are bringing on licensed agents into their business, which mm. are going to allow us to, yeah, which are going to allow us to get into uh, like buyer side agreements. So representing people back and forth and disrupting the traditional, uh, I guess, market within. So licensed services, uh, showing houses, negotiating prices, all those fun things that we haven't done before. Rentals is coming down the pipe. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're looking at we're looking at doing a DIY product in the US that'll allow, you know, basically an Amazon product where you can drop ship a, a sign your front lawn and be on our platform. So lots Brilliant. of things coming. Look out. Here we go. Here we go. Keep on happening, my man. Look forward to chatting with you again. Appreciate your time. We'll be in touch. Thank you, Rivers. Bye now. Cheers, man.